All right, come on, 8.30, multiply your voices and your numbers. Help me welcome everybody who's watching online at home, anybody who's joining us for the very first time. So glad that you're in church with us this morning, and can you believe we're already talking about Easter? We're already talking about Easter weekend coming up. I'm excited to get into the message with you this morning. Uh, before I do, we got to have a little conversation about something. Uh, my wife lobbied me really hard this morning. She was like, seriously, you're not going to wear a hoodie to church again, are you? And I was like, yes, I am. It's going to warm up soon, and I love, I love these. And um, so I just want uh, to say to all of you that are like, is he ever going to dress nice ever again? Um, I don't know. I might. I might not. Um, so uh, we were having a fun, fun conversation with that this morning. And, and, um, but, but the warm weather's on the way. That's Really, I was just trying to encourage you with something. Come on, y'all. Warm weather's on the way. Aren't you excited? I don't know if you've looked, but we got like multiple days in the 60s this week. I'm so excited. I think I'm going to bust out some shorts, and um, people are going to have to put on like UV protective sunglasses, and because uh, there are going to be some reflection off of these legs. You know what I'm saying? Um, redheaded and pale and all that goes with it. So, come on, aren't you feeling excited to be in church this morning? You made a good decision to come be in God's house, and a whole bunch of you uh, watch online during this 8.30 service. It is our highest attended service on the internet. So to all of you on the other side of the cameras, I'm excited to wrap up this series, It's Complicated, with you uh, this morning, and next weekend, dive into that brand new series. We're going to turn our hearts towards Jesus for these few weeks as we get ready for Easter weekend, and um, it's going to be great. And I, I want you to know we're, we're, uh, gonna, we're actually going to figure it out this week how we're going to do it, but um, the weekend before Easter is always Palm Sunday, and so we will take communion together in all of our live services that weekend. And so you guys at home, I want to give you a, a heads up if you're not going to be able to attend in person, if you want to, you know, Get yourself a little loaf of bread and some grape juice or whatever, however you want to do, but we'd love for you to be able to participate in that with us at home. And so I'll share that again over the coming weeks just as a reminder, but we will have communion together on, on that Sunday morning of Palm Sunday, and it's going to be a, a powerful moment. So uh, before I get into the message, I've got some exciting news for you. You heard Whitney in our church news talking about life track. Step one is today, so some of you who are trying to figure out what's my next step, how do I go from just attending True Life to actually being invested and, and I, like I feel like this should be home for me, so what does that mean? What comes next? Uh, life track is how you do that. And so you could even, some of you who are here in person, you could, you could hang and attend Life Track in person during our next service. That's when that happens. And uh, we, we would love for you to do that, take that first step towards becoming a member, become a, really become a part of the church family. And, and really the whole process is to help, as you heard Whitney say, to help you find your fit and what God has called you to. I, I don't know if you know this, but God has a lot more designed for us than to just attend church services. In fact, if, if that is all you do, uh, statistics have proven what I'm about to say, and I'm not saying it to offend you. Statistics have proven that somewhere around the two to four month mark, we will lose you. you you'll stop being a part of our church because you won't have community. Uh, you won't be serving. You won't have something bigger than yourself to attach your life to. And no matter how good of a preacher I am, and, uh, and I'm not, I don't even think that I'm like, great, but no matter how good I get this, no matter how good the music is, eventually you'll get bored with all that. And, and, and preaching doesn't bring fulfillment to our lives. Finding God's calling for our lives and being obedient to him is how we get fulfillment in our lives. Come on, can I hear an amen this morning? All right, so I'm, just, I'm not trying to generate any guilt for you. Uh, I'm just telling you that that is God's design. And, um, and we're actually in a season coming out of COVID and pandemic and people having to do church at home and all those different things where uh, we are actually trying to accomplish more ministry in person on a Sunday than we have dream teamers to fulfill. And so really there should be four or five ushers and there might be one or two. Really there should be four or five greeters and there might be one or two. Really there should be kids ministry happening during all three services. Can I hear an amen? And it's happening during one. And the reason why that's happening is because there, there, there are a lot of people who were on our dream team who, who for whatever reason don't feel safe coming back yet or, or really shouldn't come back yet, and we have no judgment. Uh, some, if I'm being honest, have gotten into the habit of just doing church online at home and they're being lazy, and you need to stop. Um, 
And, and so they've, they've just gotten in the habit of not serving, and it's, it, it's become more comfortable, and they haven't reengaged yet. But we've also had an influx of people who are new to our church over the last year. And I'm just telling you, you need, to, you need to go ahead and take that next step. Find your fit, find your gift, figure out what God has called you to. And I'm just telling you the next level of living is when it stops being about you and it starts being about others on behalf of the kingdom. Can I hear an amen? All right, so we want you to do that. And um, especially with things like Easter weekend coming, uh, yeah, we do need you. We, we need you to find your place in ministry so that we can go change the world together. If you weren't here for our first Wednesday, uh, go back and watch that message, you know, one of the reasons why we believe in the power of God in our lives is because he empowers us to go fulfill the Great Commission. And we cannot fulfill the Great Commission by ourselves. It's not left to the professionals. Otherwise, it would have just been the Great Mission. It's the Great Commission, and it, meaning we got to do it together. Come on. Can I hear an amen this morning? All right. So all of that is a setup to say we're about to make this easier for you. In fact, our whole website right now is being reimagined redesigned. Our creative team has been putting countless dream team volunteer hours into this. I can't actually believe the investment that our team is willing to make uh, into things like this. And I'm so excited for what it's going to look like and what it's going to do. And we've really tried to simplify down to what, how will this actually serve our community and our church. And so we're getting rid of stuff that doesn't do that and doesn't really need to be there. One new piece that we're going to add, even before the redesign, we're going to find a way to add it on the current version of our site, is to make it easier for you to engage in LifeTrack. Because we realize, with only offering it during the 10 a.m. service, which again is because of our Dream Team numbers, it, 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 it limits the availability to a lot of people. So we thought, what if we could make it available to everyone? And so we, we tested, we've been trying to do a LifeTrack online version but we, our implementation wasn't that good. I'll just be honest with you. Um, so we thought, well, what if we could make it on demand? Come on, DVR people, where are you at? Come on, do we like everything on demand nowadays, don't we? We are the Netflix Hulu generation. What if we could make LifeTrack on demand? You could access it on your schedule and, and finish at your pace. And so I am really excited to tell you that coming very, very soon, like in a matter of weeks, a couple weeks, uh, LifeTrack On Demand will be up and running. In fact, I think Jared told me it might even be ready by next weekend. Uh, so I don't want to commit to that yet because there's a few pieces that have to fall into place for all of that to happen. So what you'll be able to do is go to truelife.church or you'll open up your app, register for LifeTrack On Demand, and then what we'll do is we'll make sure you have a hard copy of the book to take home with you. You guys who are watching online, if you know you're eventually coming back in person after a vaccine or restrictions lift, you can go ahead and do this, you can, and we'll even mail you the book if you need us to. So if you can't come in person, we will mail you the book. We want you to have the hard copy of the book, and we'll make sure that you have that, and then we'll send you the link to walk through all four steps of life track at your pace, on your own, and then if you need support, you'll be able to reach out to us at any time and say, hey, I was a little confused about this gifts test, or I'm... I have some questions about this ministry team, and we'll be able to communicate with you and support you as you walk through that. So I'm so excited that we'll be able to offer that, and, uh, can, and that we live in this day and age where technology makes that an option, right? Can you imagine, like, back in the, in the New Testament, if the Apostle Paul was like, hey, I'm not going to write you this letter, and we don't have to, you're not going to have to read it off of a scroll. I'll just, I'll just pound out this email real quick for you. I'm, I'm just so excited that we live in this day and age where it's become easier to do ministry through technology. So life track on demand. Come on, even if you're not that excited about it, pretend you are for me. That would be great. Come on, it's going to be fun. All right, good. All right, um, so let's get into the content for this morning. Uh, we're wrapping up this series, and throughout the series, I've used a passage of Scripture from Romans that talks about a reprobate generation, and we've been talking about relationships, all relationships. We've trying to share some principles with you that apply to all relationships, friendships, professional relationships, dating, marriage. Whitney did a great job last week giving some, some nuts and bolts, some practical stuff to singles in that season of life. And I just want to say I'm sorry that we haven't taken more time to talk to you who are in that season of life. Uh, it can be one of the most challenging seasons to walk through, and you need some help. You need some instruction on what the Word says, and the world has a lot to say about it. 
and, um, and God has better stuff to say about it. So uh, thank you, Whitney, for, for jumping in and doing that last weekend. And so today we're going to finish the series by talking about one of the single most divisive issues in relationships. It will ruin friendships. Uh, statistically, it is one of the top three reasons that marriages end in divorce. Um, you, you will get frustrated at the company you work with if they mismanage this. Uh, I feel frustrated with our uh, current system of government because I feel like it gets mismanaged. And I'm not talking about the current administration. I'm talking about like the last 20 years. Uh, I, I feel like this consistently gets mismanaged. And, um, and so we're going to talk about something everybody in church always loves to talk about. Everybody's always really excited. We're going to talk about money, y'all. Come on. Who's excited to talk about cash? All right. <laughs> you bunch of fakers. You're like, I guess. He wants, that's what he wants. So uh, just to help you get more excited about it, we've hit a $20 bill under every seat. I'm kidding. That's not real. We didn't do that. Um, sorry for lying, God. Please forgive me. Uh, so not using Romans as our theme passage today. We're going to use another passage to set this up. Haggai, or some people pronounce it Haggai, but I like Haggai because I just feel like it sounds churchier. Come on. Just say Haggai. You know what I'm saying? It just sounds, sounds churchier. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. So all of us have a way of handling our stuff, our money, our resources. And he, he's encouraging us here, give careful thought. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. So, some of us have got 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks and we feel like, I don't have anything to show for this. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Come on, anybody identify with that feeling? Has anybody ever felt like, oh, that is, that is so me? This is what the Lord Almighty says. Hey, look, look, this is what God is saying. It's very practical. He's saying, hey, if you don't like the results... You need to evaluate your system. I, I, I love, I, Patrick Lencioni says this. He says, your system is perfectly designed to give you the results you're getting right now. And many of us aren't satisfied with the results of our financial world right now. We're, we're not satisfied with what's happening in our, in, in our finances and in our money. And you don't even want to go look at the bank account. You don't want to log in and see where the balance is right now. You're It'll depress you. You're, you're actually just hoping that, that nobody cashes a check too soon before payday and, and you're bouncing from check to check. And, and so I want to I kind of help with that because money is a huge stress creator. It, like I said, it is, it is the, one of the top reasons why, why married people fight and divorce. In fact, um, my wife and I often joke, on our honeymoon, we found a way somehow on our honeymoon, when we got married 20 years ago, we found a way to fight about all three of the big ones before the honeymoon was over. It was, and then we thought, like by the end of the honeymoon, we were like, this is hilarious. Like we've read all the books, we did all the premarital counseling, somehow we still found a way to argue over the three big ones right here in our honeymoon. And, and money is one of the biggest. And so what I want to do today is I want to I want to talk to you about some things that the Bible has to say about it. Before I do, I kind of want to justify even taking the time to talk about it. Not that I think that I need to, but there's two pieces to this, all right? Number one is during the early years of our church, I'd say probably the first five years, I really stayed away from this topic for a couple of reasons. One was I didn't feel like I had the leadership equity yet to go there yet. And you, it, takes, it takes time when you plant a church in a community to build trust. And when you talk about money, people get weird because they feel very like, hey, don't go there. That's my stuff. Don't tell me what to do with my stuff, pastor. Get out of my business. And so it takes time to build trust and to have leadership equity to do that. The other reason I didn't talk about it much was because we actually needed it a lot. And I never wanted to get on the platform and preach out of, out of bad motives. I didn't want to get up and, and be in a position where I was preaching something, hoping to get a result because of a, a need 
that the church had. And, and we actually needed financial miracles on multiple occasions. In fact, y'all never knew it, but right after we moved into this building, just a few months after we moved in, uh, Jeff uh, Brownlee was our financial guy at the time, and he came to me. He's like, hey, man, I just, I, we, you need to know, like, we're almost at zero. We don't have anything. And I said, we're going to be all right. Like, God's got it. And, um, and like a week later, somebody handed us a, a six-figure check. Like, come on, can I, how many know that's Jesus? You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, it was a miracle. And we needed them often in the early days. Now, I can talk to you about this with completely pure motives. Because while we will spend every penny that you give, and we will, because we don't believe our job is to hoard a bunch of money for the church. We believe our job is to take what you give and go use it for the kingdom. Go build the kingdom of Jesus. And so when somebody needs some groceries, we buy groceries. When there's an opportunity to expand the ministry, we expand the ministry. When we can do an Easter egg hunt for families with high needs or special needs, we want to go do that. When we can have a Christmas shop and bring families in who otherwise wouldn't have the, the finances to put gifts around the tree for their kids, we'll take $10,000 or $5,000 and we'll go do that. We won't even blink twice about it. Come on, can I, y'all understand what I'm saying right now? In fact, I want to tell you something awesome. Last year, 2020, during COVID, we broke every single giving record in the history of this church. During, during COVID, y'all. During COVID. Come on, isn't that, isn't that incredible? And so I can say to you with absolute purity this morning, n- none of what I say to you today is based on need. We, we are leading and, and managing finances in our church from a place of margin. None of you could give another dime, and we'd still, we would still be able to run the current operations for the next six months, all right? So we're operating out of a place of margin. We're planning for the future. We're actually adding to our staff uh, next month. And so what I love is that allows me to come now talk to you purely out of a, hey, here's what the Bible says, and this is what I think God wants for you. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? All right. And so it, none of it comes out of a place of need. In fact, I, I said this multiple times. I'm going to say it again today. If at any point you question our motives, take the principles I'm teaching you, go try it in another church. And if you get, if you get healthy in another church and it's a kingdom church and they believe the Bible and love Jesus, we all win. Like, I'm fine with that. Y'all hear me? You hear my heart on this? All right. So uh, and, and so let, now let me just kind of qualify it from a biblical perspective just a little bit. I, w- I want you to see this, and if you're following along in the app and the fill-in notes, uh, I want you to see this. Jesus actually talked about money twice as much as heaven and hell. How many think heaven and hell are an important issue? I think that's an important issue. Why would Jesus talk more about money and our stuff twice as much? I'm going to tell you why. Because how you handle money and stuff has a huge impact on how many people end up in heaven and hell. Huge. In fact, it'll have a huge impact on your soul. Because it determines who the king of your heart is. How many many think the the parables, the stories Jesus told, those were probably important, right? Probably, uh, if Jesus was talking... Great setup for, for next weekend as we look at the words of Jesus and everything written in red in your Bible. How many think the words of Jesus are important? Can, just show hands in the room today. You guys who are online, you can do the little hand wave emoji or whatever, whatever you like. Watch this. He, 38 parables Jesus shares. 16 of the parables Jesus of Jesus had to do with money or possessions. 16 of the 38. Check this out. Uh, there are over 500 verses about prayer and faith. How many think prayer and faith, like it's something we ought to talk about in church, right? How many think those are important biblical issues? You need to know how to talk to God and believe God for the things that he's going to do. Watch 500 verses about prayer and faith in your Bible. There's actually over 2,000 verses about money and possessions. Y'all, if I preached on money as often as it's in your Bible, some of you, would be, some of you would think, like, that's all he talks about. That's all he preaches about. Over 2,000 verses have to do. Why? Because how we manage the stuff in our life, more than anything else, reveals who we serve. 
Can I hear an amen? It really does. Jesus said it this way. Where your treasure is, there your, everybody say it, heart will be also. And I, I think the order Jesus said it in matters. He didn't say where your heart is, your treasure will be. Treasure doesn't follow heart. Heart follows treasure. In other words, where I invest, my heart will go there too. Oh, that's good right there. You, know, you want to know why my heart is with my wife? Because I've invested in our marriage. You want to know why my heart is with our kids? Because I've invested in, in parenting. You want to know why my heart is in this, leading this church? Because I've invested my whole life in it. And where, where your treasure, where you put your treasure, your heart will follow. Come on, can I hear an amen this morning? Billy Graham, he, he was a pretty smart guy. He said, if a person gets their attitude toward money straight, it'll help straighten out almost every other area of their life. Which leads me to this question. Why is money so dang complicated? Why, why is it so complicated? For, and why, why is it such a powder keg for our relationships? Most married people have fought over money. In fact, I'd bet it's 99.99999% of married people at some point have fought over money. And all the married people said, you know, like, can I? Should I? I don't, like, I don't know, Pastor. This feels a little risky right now. I don't know if I should do that. You have. We, we have. You, it, because it, our attitude towards our resources is constantly revealing who we're serving in that moment. It's, it's compli- it, it, it creates complexity in our relationship. Friendships have been ruined over money. You, you, you've, you, you lended somebody something, believing they'd pay you back. And years have gone by, and you've never seen a penny. How, how many of y'all have the friend or coworker who, if you go out to lunch together, you know you're paying? <laughs> Come on, you know. You know that one who every time, without fail, they're going to be like, you're going to get to the end of the meal, and they're going to be like, oh, I forgot my wallet. Can you, can you cover me? Can you get me? And you're like, you don't even have to do that whole acting thing. I already know. Like, I, was, I wouldn't have even come to lunch if I wasn't prepared to buy yours. Come on. Anybody know that got that person in their life? You know what I'm talking about? The freeloader. And eventually the put strain on our relationships, put strain on our friendships. Why, why is it so complicated for us? Well, Jesus tells us why. He says, no servant can serve two masters. For either he'll hate one and love the other, or he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot, everybody say cannot. You cannot serve God and Mammon. What is mammon? It's actually a spirit. It's a spiritual influence that says money and stuff are the most important thing to me. In fact, I would say it's the, it's the remember when we started this series? We started in the garden and we talked about Lucifer who came and began to whisper lies to Eve about the tree. And he said, hey, did God really say don't eat from the trees? Don't eat any of the fruit? And, and, and Eve says, no, he didn't say that. We can eat all the fruit we want. It's just that tree in the middle. We can't eat from that one or we'll die. And Lucifer says, no, Eve, no, you won't. And the serpent has been whispering in the ears of humanity ever since, telling lies, distorting truths. And so what I want to do is to uncomplicate finances. I just want to tell you some of the lies that the serpent whispers to us. That in our society, we have, like hook, line, and sinker, we have, we've bought into these lies. And so I just kind of want to, like we've done throughout this series, I want to expose the lies of the enemy with a heart towards helping you get this area of your life straightened out so that it doesn't torpedo your relationships. Here's the first one. 
the enemy would like you to believe that having more will make you more secure. Like, like if I just have enough in my retirement account, I'll be all right. If I, just, if I can just accumulate enough, I will be secure. With all due respect, sir or ma'am, if this is your attitude, you are serving mammon. I, I realize that's direct. But there's only one way out of this for you, and that is to repent and to say, God, I am so sorry for putting mammon and the accumulation of things on the throne of my heart and believing that that is where my security comes from. God, I, re- I, I repent and I apologize. I'm sorry and I recognize that what your word says is that the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to conquer. God, I, I, I have believed the lie that I could, I, could, I could insulate myself, I could protect myself by accumulating more. Instead, God, what I should have been doing is keeping my life free from the love of money and, and be content with what I have because God has said, never will I leave you. God, you, my stuff doesn't create my security. You create my security. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord, not my accumulation of wealth, is my helper. Come on, somebody say amen this morning. I will not be afraid See, this is what we do. We go, if I don't have enough, bad things are going to happen. Y'all, bad things are going to happen no matter how much you have. You better have your heart connected to Jesus. You better have built your life on a firm foundation so that when all of this earthly garbage crumbles, you've still got something to live for. I'm not going to be afraid. What can mere mortals, what can a bill collector do to me? What can a credit card company do to me? I didn't put my security there anyway. Come on, y'all. My security is in Jesus. My hope is in heaven. My heart is connected to eternity. I'm invested in the things that will last forever. Can I hear an amen this morning? Type it online. Amen me in the chat. Give me some Facebook love. All right. Here's the second lie that we tend to believe from the serpent, is, is that the things I own define who I am. So some of us are trying to accumulate because we think if we have enough, we'll be safe and secure and nothing can touch us. Not true. It's not true. Some of us, and maybe you kind of grew up without, like this is one I've battled with in my life because I didn't have much at first. You, you are looking at grade A, Real deal, redheaded stepchild that lived in a trailer. Like all the little sayings, I was one. Mom and I lived in the trailer with grandma. Come on, y'all. And so what we tend to do is, if, especially if you come from poverty, if you spent any part of your life poor, and, and now by the time I graduated high school, we didn't finish poor. My, my mom worked her tail off, and we were in a much different situation by the time I graduated high school. But I remember going to elementary school and even getting made fun of because I was wearing clothes that my, my grandma and my mom, would, they'd go to the store and whatever fabric was on sale, They'd buy that. They'd come home and sew me a pair of shorts. Y'all, I wore some of the most hideous things. Uh, and, and so I would, kids would be like, what, ew, ew, what are you wearing? And, and so my self-esteem really got attached to some of that in the early years of my life. Now, God has brought a lot of victory for me, but I, I still have to be careful. Because I, I, will, I will try to sometimes shift towards getting fulfillment out of the stuff instead of getting fulfillment out of my relationship with Jesus. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Like some of us got to be careful of this, especially if you came from a season of being poor in your life. It'll lead you down a a terrible path. And you're, you're, in fact, people like us, you're most, especially if you got no financial training as a young person, you're the ones who are prone to go max out credit cards. You're the ones that are prone to believe the Buy now, pay later. 
Because you feel like, if I just have that, I'll feel better. No, you won't. And the bill is coming. And you'll feel worse when it gets there. The things that we own don't define who we are. And that's why Jesus said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Doesn't matter if your greed is rooted in hurt or pain. Doesn't matter what what caused your greed to form. Jesus says you're going to have to guard against all of it. Life is not measured by how much you own. Say amen this morning. It's not. Ecclesiastes said, says it this way, those who love money will never have enough. Like, you'll, you'll never have enough. Ever. It, never, you, you, it won't matter how much you have, you won't have enough. How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. One of the most profound moments I've ever had as a pastor happened several years ago, and I had the opportunity to go have lunch with a a guy that I was just building a relationship with. And we sat down across the table from each other, and he just told me a story. I was looking forward to meeting with the guy because he had been an incredibly successful businessman, and so I was just hoping to build a friendship because I thought, that's a guy I can learn from. He's a proven leader. And the conversation was not at all what I expected that day. He sat across from me at the table tear came down his eyes as he said to me, hey, hey, Michael, I can buy anything I want. He's a multi, multi-millionaire. He said, I could buy anything I want, and it costs me everything. I don't have a family anymore. I don't have community anymore. I don't have meaningful friendships anymore. He said, I can can go spend money on anything I want, and it's all empty. It broke him. It's one of the saddest moments of my, and I just try to encourage him, hey, man, God can redeem all of that. But it, it marked me. It really did. To hear somebody say, no matter how much I had, it wasn't enough until it was too late. And it had cost me everything. And that's why Paul said, happy. (laughs) How many would like to be happy? Happy are they whose sins are forgiven, whose wrongs are pardoned. Has nothing to do with what you accumulate. Happy is the person whom the Lord does not consider guilty. Here's the last one that I think the serpent whispers to us is that my stuff belongs to me. And this is what makes this topic so divisive for, for people to talk about in church. And, and some, of it's, some of it is bad theology and leaders who've stood in places like me on this platform and tried to convince people that if they help them buy a private jet, that God will bless them and they'll be rich. And, and y'all, I just, I categorically renounce all of that nonsense. It is just complete and total manipulation and spiritual abuse. It's just, it's just not, it's not what God says. It's not what's in his word. However, if you're believing that your stuff is yours, that's also not in God's word. But I worked for it. Yeah, I know. But God gave you the ability to work for it. But I went to school for it. Yeah, I know. But God gave you the ability to go to school for it. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, everything in my life is not mine. Every single possession in my life, every dollar in my bank account is not mine. I'm I'm a temporary holder on behalf of heaven, and my job is to try to steward it in a way that would honor and please God. Can I hear an amen? My stuff does not belong to me. First Chronicles says, praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for, everybody say the next word. Come on, everybody say it. For everything where in heaven and earth is, it's not mine, it's yours. It's yours. 
He says it again. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You're the ruler of all things, and your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. So, if we've been believing these lies, if the, if the serpent's been saying, hey, just get enough, you'll be secure. Hey, if you accumulate enough, you'll feel better about who you are. Hey, it's, it's yours. Don't let anybody tell you what to do with it. It belongs to you. If you've fallen into any of those traps, like, like I have at different times, how do we uncomplicate it? How do we get to a place where we can manage what we have in a way that honors God? How do we do that? How do we uncomplicate money? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to help you understand how. And it really, actually what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna give you the foundational layer because I believe if you get the foundational layer, you can actually build the rest from there. Here's what you have to understand about God. He's all about order. And so I can show you this all throughout Scripture, where if you get God's ideas first in an area, everything flows from that, and everything gets better from that. It's, it's, all, about the, it's all about the cornerstone, the keystone, the, the foundation that you build off of. And, and if you were here this past Wednesday, um, and I would love it if you go watch online because I, I took time this last Wednesday in our first Wednesday service. Y'all, our first Wednesdays are fun because I can take really as much time as I want and do a full Bible study on a topic, and I just don't have that kind of time on a Sunday morning. Like, I've got to wrap up. I've got to be off this platform in the next 10 minutes. And, and, I, and I, I, on a Wednesday, I don't have to worry about that. So I was able to, to share with, with everybody who was here and who was watching online how Jesus fulfills Old Testament prophecy and law. In fact, Jesus himself said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So oftentimes we think, well, I live in the new covenant. I live in the, under the New Testament. The Old Testament doesn't really apply to me. Oh, no, no, no. It, it does. It just doesn't apply the same way. Everything that's Old Testament kind of transitions to, to symbolism and principle. So what is Old Testament law? God doesn't change. He says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what is Old Testament law? God doesn't stop caring about those things. It's just not, it's no longer conditional for our righteousness. So what, what oftentimes was law now becomes principle in the New Testament. So like, it's not a condition for your salvation, but it might be a condition for your blessing. Oh, y'all, that's so good. So nothing, nothing I'm gonna share with you now makes God love you more or less, but it might be the thing that unlocks what he, what he does in, in your finances. And I don't know about you, but I'd like, I'd like some supernatural in my finances. I, I would like to have God helping me manage and steward all of that. And so we can start with Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, and it says, a tenth of all you produce is whose? The Lord's. And it's holy, like it's special to him. It, it matters to him. And, and the Israelites often, they'd get right with God, they'd do things right, and then over time they'd just like you and I, they'd kind of veer off, they'd get their principles out of whack, they'd get things out of order, and when, when things weren't ordered the way God wanted them, blessing would leave, curse would come, they'd find themselves in a bad place, and, and God actually speaks through the prophet Malachi, in, in Malachi chapter 3 verse 6, and he says to them, hey, I the Lord, I don't change. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, God says, and I'll, I'll come back to you. We'll figure it out. We'll fix it, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, he says, yet you rob me. So they're like, what do you mean return to you, God? What do you want us to do? And, he's, and God says, well, you're, you're robbing me. If you want to return to me and you want me to return to you, start with not robbing me anymore. And you say, how, how are we going to rob you, God. And God says, in tithes and offerings. And I want you to notice there's two things, tithes and offerings, and they're not the same thing. 
You're under a curse. Your, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. So we now live under the new covenant, the new testament. So you might not be under the curse of sin, but your stuff could be. Y'all tracking with me? Does that make sense? And so God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Watch this. Test me in this. And this is why I, this is why I say to you, if you don't ever trust our motives here, go try this somewhere else and see what God does. I don't really want you to. I like you. I'd prefer you stay here. <laughs> but if that's what you need to do, go do it, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I love that. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. In other words, God's saying, hey, you're gonna have what you need. If you'll get the order, you wanna uncomplicate your finances? Order your finances. Steward your finances in a way that honors me, God says, and then I'll make sure you have what you need. Then all the nations, look at this, they'll call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, God says, hey, steward your stuff in a way that honors me. And through that, I'm going to bless you in such a way that lost people, unbelievers, are going to be like, what in the world? How do you always have enough? And you're going to be like, because of Jesus. Come on, can I hear an amen? And so here's what I want to do. I don't feel like I can add a whole lot to that. As a church, we, actually, we do believe in this biblical principle of the tithe. And again, I don't need it. None of this is based out of need today. I just want you to have God first in every area of your life. And if you want to uncomplicate your finances, you got to put God first in your finances. You got to. And the way you put God first in your finances is to participate in the tithe. That's first. And I don't have time to get into it today, but next would be the offering. Then it would be to, to steward based on your income, not on, based on the things you'd like to have. So most of us, when we do a budget, we sit down and we write all the things we want to spend money on. That's not what a budget is. A budget is when you start with your income, you return to God what's God's, you prioritize generosity after that, you prioritize saving after that, if you can, then you prioritize your needs, then you get to the stuff you want. And when you get the order right, I'm just telling you, there's something supernatural that happens where God makes sure you have what you need. I have found this to be true in my life. God makes 90% go further than I can make 100% go. I can't explain it. He just does it. Come on, can I hear an amen? It's the same principle with rest. God encourages you to Sabbath. So you really should have one day a week where you, you just breathe. Like Fridays for me, I don't respond to, unless it's an emergency, I don't respond to, Work phone calls, work texts, work emails. Amanda and I even have, a, she'll ask me like, hey, I have a thought going in my head about church. Can I bring it up right now? Most of the time I'll say, no, I don't, I can't, no, I can't. Because if I go there, everything, the whole switch turns on. Well, how, how do you do that, Michael? Isn't there a lot to get done? Yes, and there's never going to be a day where there's not a lot to get done. But you know what I found? God helps me accomplish more in six days than I would ever accomplish in seven. It's, principle. it's not law. It doesn't make God love me more. It just puts God first. It puts his priorities first. Are you all tracking with me this morning in this 830 service? All right, I got three minutes. So let me dispel some myths about the tithe. What is a tithe? A tithe is when I take the first tenth of everything I produce and I return it to the Lord through my local church. If you study the Old Testament, the Old Testament law was what was called local storehouse or local temple giving. And Jesus says, hey, I didn't come to abolish that. I came to fulfill it. So what is the expression of the local temple in our lives today? I believe 
It's the local church. You might have a different opinion on that, and you're welcome to, but I just, I really believe if you want to see God's hand on your stuff, on your finances, start by returning a tenth to God. And I want to be very clear, tithing is not generosity. Tithing is not me being like, you know, I just really love what God is doing, and I just really love what that church is all about, and I'm just, I'm, ha- I'm just going to tithe there. I'm, I'm just, I'm being generous. Tithing is not generosity. Tithing is not you giving away what's yours. Tithing is returning to God what was already his. Are you all tracking with me? All right, so I just want to dispel some myths around this. Here, question. Isn't tithing, because these are the things that as a pastor we hear the most. And so I thought we'll just wrap up the message today by trying to answer some of these. And this is one of the ones I hear most frequently. Isn't tithing an, an Old Testament law? Well, I just tried to make the case to you. It, it is. It's an Old Testament law. It continues as a New Testament principle. In fact, Jesus himself affirms it when he's talking to the religious leaders. And he says, hey, y'all tithe, and you should. He affirms it. He says, you should. Now, his problem was the, the religious leaders were tithing, but they were jerks. And so Jesus says, you tithe. And you should, but you think that gets you off the hook from actually like loving people and serving people. And Jesus says it doesn't. You got to do that too. Come on, can I hear an amen? It's both. It's not either or, it's both. But Jesus himself affirms the principle of the tithe. The Apostle Paul many times in his letters encourages believers to invest, to return to God what is his in their local churches. So it is Old Testament law, but it is New Testament principle that communicates God is first in my life. And, and I, I, I remember, man, when we got married, and we actually had like our first real paychecks. You know, my, my paycheck before that was like as an intern. It was like $100 a week. And so when I started making $35,000 a year as a youth pastor, I was like, I'm rich. No, it wasn't even 35. My first job was 30. I was like, I, I told Amanda, I was like, baby, you ain't going to have to work. We are so loaded. Took our first youth pastor job in Elkton, Maryland. I was like, girl, I'm going to hook you up. We got the two-bedroom at Stonegate Apartments. We good. And then I saw how much that was to return that tenth. And I was like, are you sure, God? He's like, you sure we got to do that? But it's not about the amount And it's not even about generosity. It's about order. My tithe communicates God in every area of my life, and specifically this one that's probably the most difficult for me to let go of. You're first. You matter most. I don't serve mammon. I serve you. And that's why it was in the beginning Before everything else, there was God. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So when I tithe, nothing's first, God. You are. You're first in my life. The purpose of tithing in Deuteronomy, it says, I'm using the living Bible here because I think it just makes it really easy to understand. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God in, everybody say that word right there, first place in your life. So isn't it just Old Testament law, Michael? It it is. It's Old Testament law that becomes New Testament principle that still applies to your life. And if you've never tried it, God says, test me. Try it. And I want to be very clear, I don't need it. It's not for me. Where our, your, the church that you're sitting in right now is, is in the strongest financial position it's ever been in. There, there's no manipulation here. My heart is for you. Here's another question that we get asked all the time. Well, what if I can't afford it? What, what if I can't afford to tithe? Like, I'm looking at my budget, Michael, and I'm not finding it. Well, if you have a job, if you have income, I would or argue that you can't afford not to. Because without it, you're, you're, you're managing your finances without God's blessing on them. In fact, 
forcing yourself to prioritize that first, it probably will create wrinkles throughout your budget that you need, and, and that's a good thing. In fact, it will force you to go back and reassess where you're putting things. And it'll force you, because when you start thinking about order, it forces you to go through the whole order. Come on, can I hear an amen, somebody? And, and so maybe, maybe you don't drive the fanciest car. Maybe you don't go to Starbucks as often. Oh, Lord, that hurt to even say it out loud. Lord Jesus, help us. But it, 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 it will cause you to reorder. I went through this exercise with one of the young families that my wife and I get to mentor. Um, I don't know, probably six months ago now, maybe a little bit longer. And they were transparent enough just to sit down with all their bank logins and all this, and, and we set up a budget. And what, you know what we're doing? We established order in a way that would honor God. And it's so funny because we've had multiple conversations since then where this family has said, like, there, there's no stress anymore. All the stress in this area of our life is gone. It's disappeared. Why? Order. And as soon as you established God's order, he put his hand on it. So here's what I will say about this. If you don't have income, you don't tithe. Okay? So like that TV preacher that's like, even if you don't have it right now, in faith, I want you to call us and put it on the credit card. Pfft. That's stupid. Can I, just, can I just tell you that right now? Can I hear an amen? That's dumb. Your tithe is based on your income. And if you, so if, you're not, if you don't have the ability to produce right now, number one, we'd love to talk to you because you probably need some help, and we can help. We can help you make sure you have what you need right now, whether it's a grocery gift card or, or, or help with some, like, let's talk. We, we want to help you, and we could probably sit down and help you with some connections, some relationships where maybe there's a job that might be available to you. We, we would love to help with that. We'd love to help you with order. You, you, even if you want to let us know in a connection card, we'll be discreet, I promise. And, um, and we, we would, we'd just love to help you figure that out. But no income no tithe. So if, if you're thinking like, I can't afford it, I would just say, listen, it's actually a test of your faith. It's a test. It's a test of your faith. And I, I, I think sometimes, especially in kind of the, the circles of church that we're, we're a part of, a lot of times we, tr- we define faith by how big and bold a prayer you're willing to pray, Right? oh, that person's full of faith. They're just asking God for miracles all the time. That's so awesome. Listen, I just want to tell you, that is not how your faith is defined. In fact, this might be the only slide you want to take a picture of right now. What you're willing to ask God for does not reveal your faith. How you steward what you already have does. Your big ask God for everything prayers doesn't reveal anything about your faith how you're managing the stuff he's already placed in your life, that reveals everything. That's why Jesus said what you, what you do with a little is what you'll do with a lot. I hear people come to me sometimes like, Pastor, if I ever win the lottery, I'm going to be a tither. And I just think, no, you won't. You won't. You'll find a reason not to because what you're doing with what you have right now reveals what's in control of your heart. And if you're not doing it now, you won't do it when you have a lot. Here's the last one. Hey, hey, the, the church doesn't really need my money, does it? Well, I would argue it's not yours, it's God's. And technically, no. That's why I've never asked you for anything. You will never hear me ask. There's no special offering at the end of the service today. None of that. Technically, no. I've I've always thought, I'll talk to God. God will talk to people. So when we've had building projects, when we have opportunities to invest in a missions project or a church plant somewhere, in fact, we, we just got an email this week at some church planters who are coming to Newcastle County I can't wait to meet with them. And as long as they're not crazy, we're going to give them money. Come on, y'all. 
That's the bar. <laughs> you love Jesus, you teach the Bible, and you're not crazy? All right, we'll invest in that. Because we need more healthy churches in Newcastle County, not fewer. Come on, can I hear an amen? And so, need? No. But let me say this to you. Our church will advance the mission at the speed of your obedience. So the more of us who are obedient, the more of us who have order in this area of our life, it, it allows the local church to do the work of the Lord. It's, 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 it's how we sponsor CarePoint in Eswatini, Africa. Y'all are. You fed kids today. You made sure they're gonna have school to go to this week. You made sure that they, you made sure an entire community had Christmas. You did that. How? By being obedient? Because we don't actually just teach this, we practice it. The first line item on our church's budget is missions. To take 10% and give it away. In fact, it often ends up being more than that. You did it. You bought all the gifts. This room right here that you're, some of you are sitting in, I know some of you are watching online, this, this it's about 5,000 square foot auditorium that I'm standing in right now was turned into a shopping mall for families back in December. We spent thousands of dollars making sure kids had a Christmas who otherwise wouldn't. And we said, hey, we were just doing this because Jesus he freely gave salvation to us. What other response would we have to our community but to freely give to you? How do we do that? People who've ordered their finances according to God. By the way, if you tithe here, we have an open book policy. So if you ever want to have questions about where our money goes, we have nothing to hide. I'll set you up with our bookkeeper. You can go through every line item if you want. Brings order. Brings order in our lives. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we close this morning? Here's the deal. You can't order your finances until you've ordered your heart. Maybe you're listening to this message today and you'd love to have God help you out with money. but God's not really a part of your life. Well, I just wanna invite you right now to, to change that. Just come to Jesus right now and just say, hey Jesus, I'm sorry, I've been doing life without you. Lord, today, please forgive me, come into my heart. I'm becoming a Christian today, I'm becoming a believer and, and not just with money, God, teach me how to put you first in every area of my life. Help me to have a solid foundation through my new relationship with you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I know it's a sensitive topic, so I'm not going to make anybody raise their hand or anything like that, but some of us have been listening to those whispers of the serpent. You've believed you can build a wall around your life, get security from your stuff. You believed you'll, if you accumulate enough, you'll feel better about who you are. You've even believed that it's yours and you own it. You forgot where it came from. And you know who you are. And I, I, listen, today's not to bring any condemnation or to try to make you feel guilty. But I, I, I do hope you'll have a moment of repentance and I hope you'll test God. Married couples, go home and have the tough conversation today. What would it look like for us to order our lives around Jesus? And like Billy Graham said, if we, if we can figure out the finances, a lot of other stuff will figure itself out. So God, I pray for all of those today who are in a place where they need to reevaluate. And I just pray, God, they'd do it. Actually, I pray, God, Holy Spirit, that you would just mess with their hearts until they surrender. Every area of our life, God, has to be surrendered to you. 
And so for those, God, who have not surrendered this area, Holy Spirit, I, I get them. I ask you to get them. Bring us to a place of surrender. And God, for those who are experiencing that order in their lives, I pray just as your word says, as we test you, God, just, just open up the floodgates. Open them up. Bring blessing, God, not, not for ourselves, not so we can accumulate, but so we can continue to be a blessing to others, so we can fulfill the mission of your gospel, Jesus. And we thank you that we get to participate in that. What an honor, what a privilege that we can use earthly resources to bring eternity to people's lives. It's so awesome. Thank you, God, that we get to be a part of that. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.